The date is Thursday the 7th of September. I'm Jason England and welcome to Learn Something, the official podcast of NewRisingMedia.com where I fill your brain space with weird and wonderful facts that you've probably never heard before. And today it's Throwback Thursday and the particular topic of the historical trivia that we're going to be dropping on you today is all about the movies. I've got some really strange ones for you, including Michael Jackson as Doctor Who. Stick around, this is going to be a fun one. And first of all, we talk about Stephen King's It. So, as you know, it's probably hitting the cinemas where you are by the time you're listening to this and the reviews have been they've been all right it's been an average score of 8.5 out of 10 and one of the main criticisms seems to be that there's just too much monster in it which um obviously one of the main bits of horror films is that you want to keep an element of mystique around things that happen so something like that it might kind of numb the effect of the clown in the film. But we're not talking about that. We are talking specifically about when the original movie aired in context to when this new one came out. So in Stephen King's It, as it is written, the clown appears every 27 years. The original movie aired in 1990 and the new remake is airing this year in 2017, which is, oh, I don't know, 27 years? Now, that's very long distance, but quite clever marketing. Good, good brain on the teams up there. Second, today I learned that in the film E.T. the Extraterrestrial, that classic Steven Spielberg film you probably have already seen many, many times. I do hope you did. They originally asked M&Ms to be featured in E.T., to be eaten by the people on set, on screen. But the Mars company refused. So their competitor, Hershey, was asked, and Reese's Pieces were added to the movie instead. And this kind of hammers home the strength of on-screen product placement. Because after that, their sales grew as much as 300% over 1982. That is insane. So whoever said no to that, uh, if you still have a job, uh, do get in touch. I'm pretty curious to see how you managed to keep it. Next up, Star Wars. Now, I'd be lying if I didn't say that Star Wars is one of my favourite film universes of all time. Like, um, I'll be honest. Um, obviously, like many fans, I'm really not a fan of like the prequel trilogy, but altogether, it's pretty great films, and especially the two most recent ones coming out of the Disney ownership of the Star Wars universe. They have been insanely good and if you haven't seen them first of all where have you been but also do check them out anyway 
moving back on did you know that star wars may not have may not have actually happened so this comes from a piece of history that has been recorded that originally George Lucas wanted to adapt the Flash Gordon space adventure comics and serials into his own films, having been fascinated by them since he was young. In 1979, he said, I especially loved the Flash Gordon series. Of course, I realised how crude and badly done they were, loving them as much as they were so awful. I began to wonder what would happen if they were done really well. And at the Cannes Film Festival in May, Lucas was granted a two-film development deal with United Artists. The two were American Graffiti and an untitled Flash Gordon-esque space fantasy film. And he pushed towards buying the rights to Flash. He said, I wanted to make a Flash Gordon movie with all the trimmings, but I couldn't obtain the rights to the characters. So I began researching and went right back to find and found where Alex Raymond, who had done the original comic strips in newspapers, had got his idea from. I discovered that he got his inspiration from the works of Edgar Rice Burroughs, who is the author of Tarzan, and especially from his John Carter of Mars series books. I read through that series, then found that they had sparked Burroughs off was a fantasy called Gulliver on Mars. Written by Edwin Arnold and published in 1905, that was the first story in this genre that I was able to trace. Jules Verne had got pretty close, I suppose, but he never had a hero battling against space creatures or having adventures on another planet. Director Francis Ford Coppola, who accompanied Lucas in buying the rights to Flash Gordon, recounted in 1999 that George was depressed because he had just come back and they wouldn't sell him Flash Gordon. And he says, well, I'll just invent my own. Lucas envisioned his own space opera and called it Star Wars. And the rest is history. Next up, oh, what a different film Dumb and Dumber would have been if this original casting selection was used. It turns out that before Jeff Daniels even got close to the Dumb and Dumber franchise, Jim Carrey originally offered Nicolas Cage to co-star with him. Yep, that's right. Crazy Nicolas Cage, the one who always moans about the bees, was going to be in this film. I, I don't know whether it would have been the craziest stuff I'd ever seen or a stroke of genius to put him in this film. Jesus Christ. Um, however... Cage turned him down and wanted to do a smaller movie instead, which was called Leaving Las Vegas. When it came out in 1995, it ended up with Nicolas Cage winning an Academy Award for Best Actor in 1996. In his own words to the Huffington Post, he talked about his conversation with Jim Carrey. Well, we talked at length about trying to do a movie together. Cage told the Huffington Post. In fact, he wanted me to do Dumb and Dumber with him, and then I wanted to do a much smaller movie instead calling Leaving Las Vegas. When asked about going for Oscars, he said, It isn't important to me. In fact, I think that if you go about making movies to win Oscars, you're really going about it the wrong way. I think that it's right now, what I'm excited about is trying to create a 
kind of cultural understanding through my muse that is part of the zeitgeist that isn't motivated by vanity or magazine covers or awards. It's more not countercultural but countercritical. I would like to find a way to embrace what Led Zeppelin did in filmmaking. Spoken like a true actor. And time for our last two facts. The first one, we are talking about Shrek. Um, this was a... I found it fun, at least. Um, I know the parents certainly did, because they had the classic children's CGI movie tropes at the time of having jokes that both the kids laughed at and jokes that the adults slightly chuckled at because they knew they were talking about something rather dirty. Anyway... So, despite the advances in computing power over the 2000s decade, the increasing usage of novel techniques like global illumination and 3D animation demanded ever more CPU hours to render the films. In fact, that despite increases in computer power, each Shrek movie has taken twice as many hours to render as the one before it. DreamWorks Animation noticed that every Shrek film took this time and thus labelled this trend as the Shrek's Law. Similar to Moore's Law, the Shrek's Law says the CPU render hours needed to complete production on a theatrical sequel will double compared to the amount of time needed on the previous film. If you work at a CGI based film company, I'd love to know whether that's the case. So here's some examples of these insane numbers in 2001 shrek required approximately 5 million cpu render hours in 2004 shrek 2 required over 10 million in 2007 shrek the third required over 20 million and in 2010 a 3d release of shrek forever after demanded more than 50 million cpu render hours on an account of rendering double the amount of frames because of 3D. Puss in Boots, which was only released one year after the previous Shrek film, utilized 63 million render hours, but that's an exception that proves a rule. So we're just gonna pretend that doesn't exist. And finally, Doctor Who. I've had a bit of a love-hate relationship personally with the Doctor. Sometimes I've enjoyed it, and sometimes it's just not really captured me. I must say that I've been more partial towards the earlier Doctor Who seasons uh, and the later ones not really grabbing me. But still, these are all individual opinions and if you have your own, I'd love to hear it. Like, I'd love to hear what you love about the Doctor or what you hate about the Doctor and let's get this nice dialogue going. But we're talking about movies, so why the hell am I talking about Doctor Who here? Well. It turns out that Hollywood studio Paramount Pictures once proposed making a Doctor Who film way back in 1980. And at the time, they'd picked out some interesting casting choices. So, moonwalking into the time machine, Michael Jackson was set to be the lead character, the Time Lord, in this movie adaptation. The studio said that if Jackson, the Jackson option didn't turn out, it had a great number two in mind. Bill Cosby. The Times reports that the thinking was that the King of Pop 
had done pretty good business with the film Moonwalker, and Cosby was riding high on TV with The Cosby Show at the time. Monkey can't help but wonder whether Michael Jackson would have made a better Doctor Who villain. Some might say he is a dead ringer for Davros. Take away from that what you will. It's, um, it's certainly good that BBC has managed to keep a hold of the TV rights and refuse anybody to try and make a film like this. And that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening. It means so much that so many of you tune in and listen to each of these episodes to kind of give you an update as to what's been happening over here. Because obviously it started as a week daily thing. Um, turns out that adult responsibilities got in the way. Yes, um, I am currently living with my girlfriend and I'm trying to juggle a full-time job, writing the blog and making her as happy as I possibly can while also maintaining upkeep of the wonderful place we have together. And with that, the podcast has kind of have kind of had to have taken a bit of the backseat. But I figured it out. I'm going to be doing podcasting every Tuesday and Thursday. So expect episodes then. Anybody else who has ever had a passion for a side project probably knows the trouble that I go through with this. And I appreciate every single week seeing the thousands of you that listen into this show. It means the world. Thank you so much. And now I leave you lovely bunch, you lovely, lovely bunch of human beings with a question. Uh, since this one has been all about films, I want to know what your favourite movie is. Yep, that's right. I want to kick off that debate. And I want to see whether it's a cult classic, whether it's a film that people hate but you love, or whether it's a film that everybody loves and everybody thinks you're just jumping on a bandwagon. I want to know what films you like and why. And hopefully that can help build a good list of films that I should watch myself. Um, So, super simple, how to let me know. Uh, If you've got the Anchor app, then you find my station under the learn something category in the search box and tap call in you'll see a little speech bubble box when you tap on my station and just tap that to call straight into this show and do tell me any answer that i get i will rebroadcast to my thousands of followers and thousands of listeners on this station because every single call in is super important and i appreciate every single one of them um, if you want to tell me by other means, um, you can get in touch on the website, newrisingmedia.com slash contact. Go on there, drop me your name, your email address, and I'll make sure you get newsletters on a weekly basis of all the amazing stuff that we do here at New Rising Media. Uh, besides that as well, you can tell me on Twitter at Mr. Jason England, or you can do it at New Rising underscore media, or you can find us on Facebook. And since I got a sneaky plug in there of all the social media and the website that you should be taking a look at and you should have saved in your bookmarks, I will leave it at that. Thank you all so much for listening and I hope you all have an amazing weekend.